what is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. What's up, man? What are you talking about? Are we st- Wait, don't we start? That's not how we start the episode. Let's try this again. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. Episode number 82. What's the date today? June the 7th. The 7th of June. Can you believe that? Yeah, I can. This past week has felt like a month for me for some reason. I'm sorry. It's not your fault. Okay. What's going on? Did you watch Lexington? Did you you watch it? I was there. I did. Yeah. Um, It actually... It was a a day late, but we got her in. Yeah, I was watching it from the airport. I actually... This is crazy, dude. I was watching Fans Choice from my plane. No way. No kidding, dude. I wouldn't shit you. You're my favorite wow. turd. Um, Good. <laughs> no, they. Uh, we were thirty thousand feet above the above the ground, and uh, they had a streaming option, which I'd I'd signed up for, and uh, was able to watch Fans Choice. It was cool. Wow, that's incredible. I didn't know you could even do that. You man, you're you're so technically advanced. Not really. It's not that fancy, but <laughs> there was people next to me. Like, what's that? They didn't even know what flying. So I introduced some people to there flat track and. Uh, got to watch got to watch the events i'm glad they got it in man like in, in the it, the track it looked like it worked out pretty well right dude it was it rained so much i know we're not supposed to say the r word but it's not happening right now but it if friday if you would ask me if we were racing at all that weekend i would have said no there was so much water they took a shovel to the track when they moved the dirt it filled up full of water there was so much water in that track and it was a new surface so i think we could have actually raced saturday night but we didn't know the sun was going to be out all day Saturday. So, yeah. you know, they did the, they, I think they did the right thing. We ran on Sunday. We ran a little bit faster, speeded up program a little bit. There's no rider intros. We wanted to get done before dark so people could have a chance to get home or come to the pits afterwards if they wanted to. And I thought the racing was really good. Uh, the track seemed like it got faster near the end of the day. Hats, hats off to the whole AFT crew for getting, getting that one in and, and making it happen. I'm more than happy to see a mile race finally. You know, it was it felt like an eternity between events, um, and a hell of a hell of a race too. I mean, there was some really good racing in the in the semis and in the main. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, all the races were really good. I think there were only only two riders went down, and one of them was actually Briar that I wanted to talk about for sure because. Uh, these guys were actually shifting their motorcycles on the, and we're talking about the AFT, you know, the, the twins class, the premier class, and Briar went into turn one at one point, and I saw his foot come up, and it went back down, and it came back up. The bike actually went into a false neutral, so that's like in between third and fourth or whatever he, the gearing he might have been running. So when that happens, you carry more momentum. There's no back pressure to help slow you down, and he just blew the groove, and then he couldn't get it into gear to slow it down, and he actually went down. Um, picked himself up, restarted, and still transferred into the main event. Insane. And then in the main yeah. event, he worked his way up to second, actually took the lead once at one podium, point. To a podium Man, position. That's dude. crazy. And he's finished second four times in a row now. Yeah, four races you, you in a think row. if there were a couple more laps, he would have caught Jared or now? I don't, I don't know. Jared Jared was just dialed in. He's yeah, got he that was. place figured out. He's the, only, he's the only rider to win at that track in the premier class, which is incredible. Yeah. And I think he just knows exactly the gearing he wants to run. He knows when he wants to shift that motorcycle. And he just, he didn't make any mistakes. So I don't know if Briar could have beat him or not. Briar did pass him once early in the main, but, uh, you know, a second place. And he was excited. That was Briar's best mile finish ever. I'm going to go on record as saying that every, you know, everybody's like, is Jared, is Jared lost it? Is he's, he's not winning. He's not dominating like he has. I don't think that he's going to dominate like he has, but I mean, I also don't think that he, I mean, he, like nobody even came close to, to him in that right. race. Yeah. Briar, Briar was the only one that passed him all day. And, you know, we've had six races. He's won two of the six. So in the past two seasons, he's won half the races or so. Now he's won one third already this year. So no, there's nothing wrong with him. No. Jared's just fine. And uh, B. Smitty, he's back up there on the podium. Back good to see, good to yes, his, good to see back on the podium as first race back. And that uh, Cowie's looking pretty good. I love that red. I'm telling you, he had some speed. He never really just walked away from anybody, but nobody could really pass him either. So he was, you know, pretty solid right there in the in the third place. So, dude, who's Stephen Vanderker? Like, he, where did that guy come from? So he's raced for a long time. He actually raced Brad in the the other class back in the day. It was like the GNC2 class. He's actually won a championship before. And, man, that was an impressive ride. He was up there fourth, and somehow he got an Indian. I don't know how that happened or where he got the Indian, but that was his first race on an Indian. 
he finishes fourth at a grand national it's crazy he was and he was strong it wasn't just the main he was strong in the semi too and the harleys were looking good in the semis but i guess didn't didn't make it through the mains huh so when they had the restart in the main event when robinson went down i looked on one of the cameras and i could see they're working on sammy's bike i don't know what they were doing but he never rejoined the pack. And then Vandekoy, after the restart, Vandekoy's bike came by, and it sounded like it was only on one cylinder or something. It was definitely missing. So he finally pulled off. But, yeah, they were they were going good until until the main event. Crazy. Let's talk, let's talk backwards, and let's talk some singles. Singles, man. Mikey Rush finally getting that first AFT singles win. He's been close all year so far. And I say finally. I mean, he's only been racing this series seven races. So it was good for Mikey Rush to get a win. Shayna was a solid second place. And Kevin Stallings, you know, he's had bad luck this season, but he still finished third. And uh, he was right there, you know. So, yeah, Shayna's, Shayna's back in the hunt on the uh, second. And then uh, Kevin Stallings, like I said, he's strong on these miles. Yeah, he goes good there. He's just had a lot of bad luck so far this season. So maybe he's got that thing turned around. And then the production twins class, Corey Texture, three for three. Corey Texture continues the streak on the mile. It's pretty impressive. I, I honestly thought that there were going to be some other guys up there running, giving him a run for the money, but nobody. I mean, he led every lap, didn't he? Pretty much. He he Yeah, he was up there most of the main event, but he qualified not that good. He, he looked okay in the semi, and then the main event, he just stepped it up, and he passed Col- You know, Colby was going good on his Yamaha, and that was pretty impressive, too, with Colby. That was his first race back since knee surgery after the Arizona race, so solid second. Yeah, it was good to see Colby come back and, and finish on the podium. I know he wanted that win. Like, did you talk to Texter at all? Did they do something with the bike? Do you think he just found another gear when it got to the main? Like, what was it? Was I, it the I track? They just... I think the track got better, and they sat down, and they probably figured something out. I, I don't know. I didn't get to talk to him. Yeah. Solid racing, though, all in all, in in, in Kentucky there. And I know that venue is pretty cool. It was, it was still cool. It seemed like they had a pretty good crowd, even though they ran it the next day. Um, so that's good to see people still turning out for it. And that way, we got two weeks until Laconia. Yeah, we are off this weekend. The next weekend is Laconia. So um, I'm actually going to Lima. I've got an event today, tomorrow and Sunday. It's some uh, like a four-wheel jamboree type thing. I don't nice. have much more information on it yet until I get there. But uh get to go to Lima, and then I get to go to Laconia, and then go back to Lima. Now, is that a Mies thing? Or no? That. no, this is actually with uh, an old promoter that used to do some flat track races. They used to promote the Indy Mile, and then they promoted uh, DeCoin, and now they do they do some other stuff too. So it's just somebody else I work for. Super cool. Um, well, let's get hey, in. What? Did you, hold on, one what? more thing. What? We didn't mention the Dairyland Classic. Jesse Janish took home his first ever Dairyland Classic win. Wait, that was his first win ever from there at the Dairyland Classic. Yeah, I did I, not know that. I understand it. Huh. Well, congratulations, and Jesse. And then he then he the, drove all night to go race Kentucky to go watch it rain. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, but then but the the big money winner sounded like in the Jim Sumner. Uh, Memorial Dash for Cash was Jeremy Orr. I yeah. actually watched that when somebody recorded it on Facebook, and Orr came from deep in the field. It, in the Dash for Cash, they put in uh, one branded bike, the fastest qualifier, on, on I think they had six different brands in the Dash, and Orr came from about third or fourth and won the main event in the last corner, last lap pass. Well, that's in badass. The main event, the Dash for Cash. That's yeah. badass. I like it. He's a strong uh, ice racer, right? Yep, or, he, won, yeah. he won the ice championship this uh, past winter. So, yeah, he's very good on shorter tracks, and you know, he's getting his feet wet on the bigger tracks with AFT, so uh, remember that name, Jeremy Orr. Pretty cool, man. That's awesome. So uh, you want to get into this week's interview? I think we should. You're uh, you're pretty excited about this one. You've wanted to talk to this this guy for a while, and uh, you know we, we kind of talked about when we were going to do it, when did it make sense to do it, and we kind of came to the agreement, you know, a couple weeks out from uh, Lima would be the best time to talk to this guy because uh, there's going to be a lot of people with their eyeballs on this guy when it comes to that race. Absolutely. This kid has been coming up for a long time. He's been winning tons and tons of races. He's road racing, he's flat track, and he's raced supermoto. And uh, there's probably not much this kid hasn't done so far on two wheels. And he's going to turn 16 right before Lima. And it's an up-and-comer, uh, Dallas Daniels. Yeah, we talked to his father a couple months ago. And let's hear from the man himself, Mr. Dallas Daniels. Hello? Is this the, the most anticipated amateur rider that's going pro? I mean, is that who I got on the phone with me? Uh, it's Dallas Daniels, if that's who you're talking about. Heck yeah, that's who I'm talking about, man. I've been wanting to have you on for a long time, and me and Carter decided we better wait until right before he turns 16 and go pro with some flat tracks. So what's been going on, man? I haven't seen you. Uh, I don't even think I saw you at the Red Mile. What have you been doing? 
Um, right before Springfield, kind of just got home from Arizona, moved all my stuff home, and uh, just getting back, you know, getting back from out there and getting all my stuff situated and get back to training and stuff like that. You know, I haven't been home all winter, so hanging out with the family and just, just kind of chilling, you know. Right on. So, yeah, I didn't get to, I guess I just figured out I didn't see it at the Red Mile because you're up there road racing up in Wisconsin. That's why I didn't see you. No wonder. I, I, I thought I was losing my mind for a second. But uh, we're going to talk about your racing career yeah. in, in just a little bit. I know a lot of road racing and flat track and stuff. But first, I want to get to know your background a little bit more. So where were you born? Um, I was born where I've been living my whole life, Mattoon, Illinois, just a small town, actually real close to Springfield, about an hour away. But, yeah, I've lived there my whole life, grew up here. You know, racing, uh, anybody heard of the Neoga TT? It's about five minutes from my house. It's where I grew up racing. And, yeah, just a little small town, Illinois. So it's kind of like the country? I mean, there, is it? Is it very, Matt Toon's not very big, is it? Um, No, it's not. But, yeah, I live out in the country. And I've actually lived in the same house my whole life. And we got a little track in the backyard and, you know, just grew up riding. Um, just a small little town with cornfields everywhere they call it uh toontown the green wave and stuff so yeah <laughs> that's, that's funny. a small I little didn't know that. little town yeah yeah well, and then I, I know when, when you first started racing i always said matt toon wrong i guess and i think your mom had and your i think your sister your team manager actually had to come correct me and say it's <laughs> matt toon instead of Mattoon. I, I think that's what he's i don't know i can't remember she said something like that with a little bit of attitude oh yeah barry boone always said Mattoon too and reese gets so mad yeah 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 reese your team manager so she's not your team manager anymore because you're kind of moving up to the big leagues now she and she's focusing on dance is that right yeah she's got her own stuff she's doing now and she's getting to the age where she don't really want to talk to us no more and like that so she still goes to the races and you know corrects what she thinks is wrong and stuff like that but i think she'll be running the t-shirt stand at lima we need to get her back on working on something that's cool give her something to be interested about so we usually you know, talk to pro riders that have been around the block a while and have a pretty good career, but you're you're still an amateur rider in flat track, and your your career is just getting starting. So basically, you're the first amateur flat tracker we've had on here, and uh, man, I'm I'm excited to to talk to you and get to know more about you. So let's go back to your your amateur racing. How old were you when you first rode a motorcycle? Uh, anybody who knows me and my family, my dad always raced, loves racing motorcycles, still does, and. Uh, he kind of he got me my first motorcycle like before I was even born. They had it sit in the living room when I got brought home from the hospital, and uh, I start I started riding around three just around our backyard. You know, we got enough room that was perfect for me to for me to ride. And actually, the funny thing is, my dad he would tie a I had training wheels on. He would tie a rope to me and he'd run around. My dad was in pretty good shape back then, <laughs> but he'd run <laughs> around and he'd hold the he'd hold the rope so I wouldn't get too far away from him. Yeah, but yeah, around three, and then uh, my first race was, I believe, in Springfield when I was four, and wow, you know, we've been off to the races since then. That's crazy. I, I don't know if you know this or not, but you know, I used to race your dad an awful lot, and then even oh, yeah. you know, when, yeah. I was, when I was when I was first getting going in racing, my grandpa used to race against your grandpa. Yeah, so our family goes way back. You need to get a kid. I'll start racing with him. <laughs> my my daughter she doesn't have nothing to do with motorcycles and she's 26 so she's a little bit older than you but i don't i don't know if i should start over and get a get a little boy going i, I mean you you're probably gonna be retired before <laughs> right. he'd be fast enough to race against you right yeah so your first race was four years old was it always flat track i mean did you start motocross when you're little and and when did you start ra- you know road racing um when i was little dad always had me doing motocross stuff um just because he knew what it would take for me to be good and that I needed to be doing, you know, stuff like motocross. But, yeah, it was pretty much just dirt track and some motocross races when I was real, real little. And uh, I didn't start road racing until about two years ago. Um, I did some when I was about 10, like a race or two. But my first full season was last year with um, Moto America. But I did road race a little bit and – Two thousand seventeen, but not not an insane amount because I actually ended up hurting and getting hurt and breaking my wrist. But okay. yeah, I did motor I did motocross when I was little. My dad, you know, being how he is, he would take me to the gnarliest motocross tracks when I was on a fifty Cobra fifty. So I, I mean, I'd make it about a lap around and call it a day because they were just crazy deep and long and 
you know, that's what made me the racer I am today. Right on. So we'll get into some more of that road racing and, and supermoto stuff here in just a little bit. But when you were a little bitty and, and just going to the racetrack, um, do you remember watching your dad race? Um, I, like when my dad made his national back in uh, 2006 and 2007, I was there. But to be honest, I don't really remember watching some of it. I can remember bits and pieces, but I think I was just too little to remember. But my mom always says when we'd be watching in the stands, I could always point my dad out. I knew who he was. And, you know, I was always big into the racing just like he was when I was a little guy. Oh, that's awesome, man. Did you have anybody that you looked up to when you were a little kid? I looked up to my dad a lot because he was always the image, the way he was, was how I wanted to be. You know, he could work on his own stuff and he, he was, you know, he, he could still go good, you know, back, back a long time ago. I mean, he still goes all right now, but not as good as he used to, <laughs> but yeah, I looked up to my dad just cause he rode with me every day. And my dad's made me really who I am, both my parents, but I looked up to a lot of the pro riders. I remember going to Daytona short track and walking around the pits and, looking at everybody and just a pro guy to talk to you. It was, it was real big back then, but probably the biggest guy I looked up to is Nikki Hayden always been since my dad knew him. And obviously Nikki was world champion, one of the best in the world. So, I mean, a lot of guys, but he's my main one for sure. Right on. So what is it about motorcycle racing that appealed to you that, that wanted you to just be a motorcycle racer? When I was a little kid kind of racing around, I don't really remember kind of what got me into racing but uh I, I always liked the speed i always liked going going fast and like i like the sliding stuff and when you're on a 50 you don't obviously do too much sliding there's not enough speed for that but i always like the watching them guys burn it off into turn one on the cases just like leaned over wide open feet up scoot back like that stuff was cool to me i just watched dirt track videos about that all day long and I always just wanted to be like that and I wanted to be able to do that. So that's kind of what got me into dirt track racing was just the, the speed and sliding and all the cool stuff, slinging dirt, pull a tear off, you know, it's just, it was all real cool to me. Did you, have you tried any, any other sports or has it always been motorcycles? <laughs> I, I tried about everything there was out there, but I was no good at it. Nothing. I mean, <laughs> I played baseball Scotty for two years and I think I hit one ball. All right. So, so, I mean, I did soccer, basketball, pretty much everything you could think of, but racing was about all I was good at. <laughs> all right. Well, if you find something you're good at, you might as well uh, keep going with it. I'm glad you stuck to motorcycles myself. So you've had a very successful amateur career. You know, you win you know, national championships. You, you, you win a lot of races that I go to. Do you know how many amateur championships you've won? Have you ever counted them? Um, I just sat in the trophy room the other day and was looking at the trophies and counted them. I think it was around, um, like 12 or 13 or something like that. You know, I've been fortunate to win a lot of races. I couldn't count them for you, but championships, I think it was about 13, 12 or 13. Wow. That is amazing. So you've also competed at the high level in supermoto. I guess that's an AMA, you know, Ohio deal. And they consider that pro-am. So as a 12 or 13 year old, you're racing in one of the, uh, you know, the pro classes in supermoto and you did really well in that as well. Yeah. My dad actually raced supermoto not too long ago when it was real big, you know, back when McGrath and Ward were doing it. So when he saw there was a pro series, he was straight on it. We need to go do that. That's going to be good for me. And me personally, I like supermoto it was a bunch of fun you know the dirt and the pavement on the motocross bike i loved all of that and i could be 12 racing what we could call pro you know we're going to call it a national we're going to qualify it could give me a taste of pro stuff and we did the whole season until i actually i think i ended up getting hurt and i wasn't able to do the last two rounds but my first supermoto race ever in uh, bakersfield california me my dad and one of our good friends, Andy Hosick, drove out there in a crappy van with no AC and no cruise control with one bike and actually ended up getting second Wow! <laughs> in my first that's, super motor race. That's awesome. And we drove all the way back, and as soon as we got back, we drove the van into town, and it broke down. I was like, man, God was on our side on that trip. <laughs> yeah. That's per perfect timing, perfect timing for that. So yeah. You did something last year that nobody else in history has ever done. You won the Nikki Hayden Horizon Award in flat track, and then you went on and won the Horizon Award in road racing too. So, what did winning, you know, winning those mean to you? 
Um, obviously, more than anything, it's the best win you could say, or the best achievement I've ever gotten to do something like that, and to make history and be the first person to do it. You know, I mean, that's that's obviously something cool. But the dirt track one, something I've looked forward to my whole life. I've watched people win it, different guys every year. You know, that's something I wanted. But the road race one, the the dream didn't really click, and what I wanted until a few years ago when I started road racing. So once we found out, you know, I was kind of, we we're starting to get up to speed and we could go do the road race nationals, which by the way, is a lot of money. Um, we were like, let's just go make history. Let's go do this. We, we know we can do it. And uh, I had my good crew chief who really stepped me up in road race and Dale quarterly go with me. And I rode his R six and, uh, I rode my 400 and I, I think we rode like three or four classes, but the road race one was honestly surprising because there were so many fast guys there. I don't even think I finished on the podium to be honest, but I was the youngest kid on a 600, the highest finishing kid on a 600 in the class. So, I mean, it's, wow. it was a huge accomplishment for both of them, you know, saying also I've only been road racing for a few years. So, I mean, those mean, mean the world to me. I'd say right on. So last year you road raced the full season. You actually podium out at Laguna Seca. So how did you get involved in road racing and who are you riding for? Well, actually it's a uh, kind of a weird story. When, uh, when Nikki Hayden passed away, Earl Hayden gave me a call and uh, he was like, we need to get Dallas into road race and start doing some of that stuff. We're real close to Earl Hayden. He helps us out a lot. Um, and we we're like, yeah, you, you know, that's when the KTM RC Cup was pretty high and Moto America kind of just got going. And there's a lot of fast guys in there. And um, Earl was able to get me a wild card ride for Road Racing World with John Ulrich on a KTM so I could do the round at Pittsburgh. And so to prepare for that, me and dad obviously went out and we did track days and we, we found a KTM to rent. And we went out and we rode and we got ready. And I went to Pittsburgh and I believe I finished 10th in race one. And I actually crashed out of race two. And I was going to do the next two rounds at New Jersey and Barber Motorsports Park, but I ended up getting hurt. Um, so that's kind of how I got into it. But right now I ride for quarterly racing on track development for Dale Quarterly and Bob Robbins, which is, I would say, one of the best teams in the paddock. Dale is really who elevated my road race road racing game and he was actually who i pitted under his tent at pittsburgh when i went i wasn't with the road racing world guys he let me go over there and he helped me he's the reason i've gotten all these podiums here this year at the beginning of this year and the reason i got my podium at laguna and pretty much the reason i'm going fast at all in road racing is is for him that's awesome so you know you you did the whole road racing season last year you've done most of it this year too um, but I see you at a lot of amateur, you know, flat track races and Steve Nace races and stuff like that. So how do you pick and choose which race you're going to go to? Um, well, the only races that matter really in road racing is, uh, the nationals. And unfortunately some of them fall over American flat track nationals, but most of some of them are before I turn pro, but, um, it depends on what's going on. Uh, once I turn pro, what we're going to miss because a, a lot of them conflict once I turn 16. So if I'm two points out of the lead or leading the points in road racing, I'm obviously going to go over there. But, you know, if something happens and I'm not up in the points, I, I'm making a good paycheck or I could, you know, in dirt track. So, I mean, it's just whatever happens. Okay, so let's talk about going pro here with with flat track. You know, in American flat track, you have to be 16. So you're getting ready to turn 16. We've talked with all of our guests about that transition from amateur to a pro. So uh, you're already a really well-rounded amateur rider. What do you think you're going to need to focus on when you make that move up to pro here in a couple of weeks? Um, I'd say the biggest thing is is uh, all the pro guys are fast right out of the gate. You know it. It don't, they don't mess around. They're all, all the fast guys are going to be up on the front row and be fast all night long where something I've struggled with some of my early parts of my career was I took kind of a while to get up to speed and that's not going to, that's not going to fly with these guys. They'll, you know, they'll just put you to the back. So I'm just going to have to learn how to show up and first practice 
be going 100% as fast as I can all the way through the night. But I have the team. I believe I have the speed. You know, I, I believe we'll be doing pretty good. So your dad's pretty much been your mechanic in flat track your whole career. Is that going to change when you turn 16? I know he's he's pretty much Ryan Wells' mechanic. So do you know who your mechanic's going to be in American flat track? Um, we have some uh, guys in line. You know, um, we haven't really hired one yet, but we're kind of working on that. But, yes, I'll always be working with my dad. I believe awesome. my dad's just as good or better than anybody in the paddock. Um, I'll always be talking to him, whether he's working on my bike or not. I always want him in my corner with anything. And, you know, he'll probably be working on Ryan's bike unless we hire another mechanic. But, yeah, like you said, my dad's been my mechanic my whole life, and I'm going to keep him, you know, kind of close and just in case I have any questions or anything like that. That's awesome. That's really cool to have him right there in your corner with you. So in the off season and going into 2019, we talked to your dad a little while back and he told us the backstory and how it all became the decision to team up with Tim Estenson. What was it about the opportunity that appealed to you? Um, well, my whole life, uh, it's really just been me and my dad with um, help from other people like James Hart and Huey Robinson and, Larry Kirkland and guys like that you know I always had help but it was always just me and my dad in a van with you know a few bikes we we never really had it you know big time and what when we got the call from Tim it wasn't it's not just the big team and the rig and the cool bikes and all that it was it, he was giving me an opportunity to just let me focus let me and my dad focus on what we want to do and we can go chase our dreams you know where Sometimes when you're a privateer racer, you as I'm doing what I need to do and show up to the races and know my bike right now, make sure things going smoothly. That's the glory of having my dad as a mechanic. You know, everything's right where I can see it, which not that I don't think he's doing a good job or anything, but I can always go check on it if I need to. Sure. But, you know, obviously being a big team like that, Tim's a great guy. And so is Tracy. The whole Estenson family is, is awesome. And what, what they offered me was great. And, it's probably an opportunity of a lifetime. I think I plan on being there for a long time. Right on. That's awesome to hear. So the last, you know, uh, kind of like late last year and early this year, I've seen you at a lot of the nationals. So um, are you just going there to just kind of get the feel of what it's like, or do you have actually a role you know, on the team while you're at these nationals this last, you know, earlier this year and late last year? Uh well, since I was a kid, I've always been going to all the nationals just because I liked watching it. It was always, you know, it's always cool to watch it as a kid. But no, this this year, Tim wants me to go to everyone I can. Um, and I would like to also because he wants me to just watch Ryan and my dad work together and just watch what it's like to be in a pro race. You know, you watch me. I don't really do anything. I kind of just sit there and if my dad needs me to hand him something or Ryan wants me to walk out with him to the line, I'll do all that. But I kind of just shadow over my father and Ryan just to kind of watch what it's like to be at the pro level and watch. I'll go out and watch Ryan ride with my dad and I'll come in and I'll listen to him talk and kind of listen to what they're saying and watch what my dad's doing to the bike. And I'll go watch the track. Kind of like, it's kind of like me just being Ryan's shadow. I'm not racing. It would be like that, but I'm kind of just like his shadow. I kind of sit in the back, just listen. If anybody's watching, that's really what I do. But yeah, just going and listening and hanging out. Right on. So let's talk about Memorial Weekend. You actually ran the, the All-Star National Flat Track Series, which is the Steve Nace race, and, and you ran the, the uh, Open Amateur Class there, and you won. And then you also got to run the All-Star Pro Class, which was you know a little bit different than the Amateur Class. So talk about the All-Star Amateur win. How cool is it to win again at Springfield? Um, Springfield's always been one of my favorite tracks, Springfield TT. I love TTs. I love the dirt at Springfield, but, um, the amateur wins, I, I mean, those are obviously cool. I love the amateur wins, but I wanted to be up there with the pro guys and race that. So when I found that I could race the all-star singles, that was just awesome. I could ride with JD and Davis Fisher and Henry Wiles and, you know, my guy who helps me out, my rider coach, Johnny Lewis, um, that was cool. And. I believed on that track with my motorcycle, I, I was fast, but they're fast expert guys. You never really know what, I mean, they're always going to bring a hundred percent to the table. So, I mean, 
to get second to JD and lead, you know, the first lap or two and get a whole shot was huge for me. And the funny thing is that's actually the first time Tim has ever seen me race. Wow. So <laughs> I, I, I mean, obviously a very good, um, first outing for Tim to watch and very good for the team, me and JD going one, two, but yeah, I mean that to do that with the pros was awesome. And I mean, it just shows that we have the speed to, to run up front with the, with the big guys. And I, I announced to the crowd there in Springfield, why you run the number one sixty three. but why don't you tell us here on off the groove, why you chose to run that number? Um, well, I, I had a number I was going to choose, but somebody had taken it. So me and my dad kind of sat down and we talked and, you know, the three digit number is not that big of a deal really your first year, but we were kind of thinking what we could run and nothing was really coming to mind for us because anything I wanted was really taken. And we started looking at some old photos and some old photos that Tim came up and we seen 163 and we were kind of like, well, I mean, you know, 163 kind of looks cool, I think a little bit. And like, why don't we do that? You know, something to kind of honor Tim for, really given me this amazing opportunity that I couldn't ask more for. So we kind of, we made the decision without telling Tim. And once we got the graphics made, we put them on and Tim kind of walked back and forth on the bike. Didn't even really notice it. And we're like, Hey Tim, look at the number. And he's like, Oh, wow, that's cool. He loved it. And Tracy loved it. And everybody thought it was super cool for us to do. And I, I thought it was a really cool thing to do. Yeah. I think that's a great way to honor him. That's, that's really cool. That's a, that's a class act right there, in my opinion. So let's talk about road race this season. Your worst finish so far has been fourth. You got on the podium a couple of times this last weekend. So how's the road racing season going for you this year? And any highlights or what sticks out to you the most so far in the 2019 season? Yeah, uh, the 2019 season's been awesome. It's It's been really good. My motorcycle's better than it ever has been. And I've been getting podiums every weekend. I was only off podium once so far. Um, and it was because we ran a rain race at VAR, but when we went out, it was dry and we had slicks on and right when the race started, it started raining. So we were running, some of us were running, uh, in the rain on slicks and some guys had put reins on and they were obviously way faster. So we kind of got shuffled behind, but we finished fourth first guy on slicks, which was obviously huge, but the biggest thing that sticks out to me is last year in 2018, my best finish was third at Laguna, but I was pretty much kind of a eighth, ninth place guy every weekend. I, you know, I didn't really have the speed, didn't really have the style. Everything was kind of just the pieces weren't together. We had a bunch of work to do before this year. And me and my team, my team, uh, team rider coach, Dale quarterly and the guy that's helped me out the, um, a bunch, like I've said, we went testing all winter and we were just, you know, he actually uh, put a radio in my helmet like the NASCAR guys do so he could talk to me on the racetrack and tell me what cool. I need to do. And we went we went testing a bunch in the winter, and we fixed a bunch of stuff. And obviously, I mean, my worst finish, he said, has been fourth. I've been on the podium, and I've been, I mean, feet from a win a few times now. And I've, I've just been messing up. You know, it's been my fault. I've been doing some stupid things on the racetrack that I'm not proud of. And I apologize to my team for that kind of stuff. But I think we're due to win one, and I believe we can. And we've been close. Just need to put all the pieces together. Awesome. So what in road racing helps you become a better flat tracker? I'm not actually too sure if there's really anything in road racing that helps you become a better flat tracker, just because it's so different. But flat tracking helps you become a better road racer i believe because especially in the rain you know you're okay with having it sideways you're okay with it squirming around a little bit because that's all you're doing on dirt you know um and then i believe that road racing helps with dirt track this is really the only way i can think of is on the front brake on tt's you know you watch any road racer when they ride a tt you know jake lewis nick mcfadden any of the Haydens, they were always very good at TTs because they're just demons on the front brake and they know how to use it. I think each one carries over a little bit for the other and they're both great practice. Okay. I like that answer. That was good. So doing double duty, road racing and flat track, and we know your teammate JD's doing it. And a lot of people wondered if that was even going to be possible. He's doing it at the highest level. He's won Grand National Flat Track. He's won in the highest class of road racing. So 
a lot of people wondered if, if he could do it. So do you think you're going to be able to do that too? I, I mean, I would, I'd love to, and I believe with work and with work and effort, we can do it. But uh, right now I like to say I'm doing it on the smaller level. You know, I want to win a junior cup race and then I want to win a singles race and say, I'm kind of like JD beach, just a level under him. You know, I haven't done it on the Superbike or a twin yet, but I mean, I, th I think I can, I think, uh, with time, I definitely can, but, uh, right now I'm just focusing, focusing on, you know, doing what I have to do. And, uh, we'll worry about getting the big wins when we get there. Okay. How do you prepare yourself mentally and physically to do both? I mean, it's going to take up a lot of your time. So how do you get prepared for that? Uh, physically really is, I mean, you know, obviously training in the gym, doing all your training you need to, but with doing both, you're on the motorcycle a lot. You know, when you're going road race testing, usually one weekend or racing one weekend, the one weekend you have off your dirt track racing or road racing. So you're always on the motorcycle doing some kind of riding. And then, you know, every racer trains in the gym, every real serious racer, you know, trains on their bicycle or runs or, you know, whatever they do. And then mental training for me, I like to watch a lot of video of the tracks I'm going to go to and visual, you know, I've learned this with Johnny Lewis is visualize the track and close your eyes and ride it and have a track map like you can at the road races and talk out your segment times and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much how I mentally and physically prepare. Awesome. So we found out last weekend that JD beach has a fill in rider that just happens to be the same size and run the same number. So when the, when the nationals, you know, coincide with each other, do you have a fill in rider already in place? Not that I know of. Uh, <laughs> I can't, I don't, I mean, I don't know if Tim's got something lined up or my dad does, but you know, maybe Tommy will get in there and ride. There you go. That's a good idea. So, <laughs> so what's your, for this. yeah. That'd be awesome. What are your long-term goals in flat track? Um, obviously be grand national champion. That's been my goal since I was a little kid and definitely something I want to do. And, you know, I want to be multi-time grand national champion and break records and ride for, you know, ride for the big teams like Estenson racing and do all this stuff. I've watched my heroes do, you know, watching these guys hold up the number one plate, spraying the champagne, just that stuff. Just, I mean, that it just gives me goosebumps when I think about it and watch it. Cause that's where I want to be, you know, dude, definitely. You, you just gave me goosebumps, dude. <laughs> yeah. But like I watched, you know, you know, watching videos of Ricky Graham run, you know, the six race win streak in a row. Nobody's broken that, you know, as all them records, I'd like to be the first one to break them and, you know, be multi-time grand national champion. Dude, that's awesome. So what are your long-term long -term goals in road racing? Um, to be honest, wherever, if a good ride comes, you know, you have to take it if something comes overseas or something like that. But right now, my long-term goals for road racing, I always want to stay in it. I've loved it. I found love for it. Um, I want to figure out a good ride, maybe something like JD's got. Um, and always just always be racing a few rounds during the season i never want to be not doing one or the other i always want to do both as long as i can unless Perfect. something comes up where i can't but right you know maybe be a superbike champion or win a superbike race you know i think that'd be cool right on do you have any other hobbies besides motorcycles i mean it sounds like it takes up most of your time do you do anything else <clears throat> um i get that question a lot and i always tell people i like to ride my pit bike if that makes sense yeah. I like to ride it in the yeah. backyard or I'll play motorcycle video games or something like that, but no, not really. Mess okay. with, you know, irritate my sister and my brother. <laughs> there you go. So are there any races that you have marked on your calendar that you're just really excited about? Lima. Very excited. <laughs> Is it just I'll because you that's your... I look... Go ahead. Or, or, uh, the, I'll tell you the three I'm looking forward to the most is probably Lima... Buffalo Chip and Peoria TT. Okay. Those are those are the three I'm really looking forward to. So I would say Lima because that's going to be your first national. And then you like the TTs because you're not scared to use that front brake. Is that right? Yeah, I've always loved TTs. Okay. Are, are there any other riders that are coming up through the ranks right now that are, are an amateur riders that stand out to you that we should be keeping an eye out for? Um, 
there's a bunch of good talent coming up right now in the 250 class, and some that I've noticed in the 85 class, but I really couldn't tell you the names because I just I don't I don't know them because I don't know where they're from. But obviously, I went out to California not too long ago and watched some of them guys out there, like Travis Petten, Grant Holmes. Those two guys are they'll push each other up to the top. They're both very fast. Um, my good my good friend Chase Sadoff, who I've worked with or you know rode with for a long time now and watch him growing up to be a good racer that he is. Um, Cody cops, very talented. Obviously it's not a Joe cop, you know, he's obviously going to be very good. And then he's actually overseas right now, but Tyler Scott, you know, he's got to be one of the fastest he's overseas road racing in the rookies cup. But if he ever decides to come over and the do dirt track again, he's definitely one of the fastest. Absolutely. I agree with all those picks right there. So it, we're at the time, uh, the episode's time for Graham's question. And she's, you know, she's been watching you since you're a little bitty kid. She says that you've amazed everyone with what you've been able to do so far on a motorcycle and you haven't even turned pro yet, but she wants to know a couple things. She said, what are you going to have to do to stay ahead and continue to impress others? So what are you going to do to progress? Um, just keep doing what I'm doing and working, working harder. Um, you know, we're just getting started, so hopefully we can impress some people in our first season and just keep the ball rolling. Okay. And the second part of her question, you know, Graham's being Graham, but she wants to know, what are your plans for school? Because education is so important. <laughs> um, actually, good for me. My step-grandpa, step my mom's stepdad, is superintendent of schools. So uh, he hooked me up with this cool online schooling program that I can do through my high school and still be connected with my high school and go into school if I have to. So homeschooling through my local high school right now is what I'm doing. Okay. Are you going to continue any further education after high school or just, is that where you make a decision at that point? Well, right now I have to get through high school because Tracy Ascenson says, if you ride for us, you have to finish high school. So the funny thing is she actually made my teammate Ryan Wells go back to school and he's finishing school right now. That's awesome. So I, ha I have to at least finish high school, but we'll think about that when we get to the end of the school year. Sounds good. So now it's time for our rapid-fire questions. Are you ready? Yeah. What's your favorite motorcycle? Ooh, a Framer, Kawasaki Framer. Okay. What's your favorite racetrack? Springfield TT. Okay. What track on the national circuit are you the most excited to race? Um, the Peoria TT, I'd say. Okay. All right. So road racing or flat track? I knew you were going to ask that one, Scott. <laughs> uh, I don't, I'm going to say both. I really love both right now. And the, you know, they're both so much fun. All right. I'll let, I'll let it slide. I'll let, I'll let it slide. You sound like you're going to be a politician when you grow up, but I'll let it slide. All right. Tell me, I want you to tell me one thing you've learned from each of your teammates. So first, have you learned anything from Colby Carlisle? Yeah. I mean, he's told me good advice to use in my first pro season, you know, stuff to do, stuff not to do. So yeah, of course. Okay. What's something you've learned from Jake Johnson? I don't, you know, I really haven't talked to Jake too much, but yeah, helping me what to do and what not to do in my first year pro. Those two on the team, I really don't really get to talk to too much, unfortunately. All right. What about J.D. Beach? Work hard. That one I've learned a lot from. He, If anybody watches, he's always with me on the grid at the road races, and he's always in the podium. J.D.'s, JD's a really, really cool guy that, for some reason, has taken a liking to me and my dad, which is really cool. But J.D.'s taught me to work hard, never give up, and chase your dreams because you can, you can accomplish them. All right. What's something you've learned from Ryan Wells? Ryan, I got to live with Ryan, so I mean, I learned uh, I learned a lot. Not, not maybe not so good things, but maybe not so bad <laughs> things either. But Ryan's Ryan's a funny guy. But for how funny he is and how everybody thinks he's not serious, Ryan's a very serious guy about what he's doing. He's in the gym. He's training. Um, he's very very serious about what's going on. And some people, you know, call him the party or whatever. But if you watch Ryan during the week, it's like watching a professional athlete and just kind of looking up to him and seeing what he does. And he's, he's made some mistakes along the way. And, you know, he's been helping me at the races, what to do at the races, 
what to do when you're training, you know, help me work on my practice bike, stuff like that. You know, just stuff that he's done and maybe errors or mistakes along the way he's made, just telling me to be a better, how to be better than him. Okay. That's great info right there. So what's something you've learned from your team owner, Tim Estenson? He's another one to work hard and appreciate where you came from because anybody that knows Tim, you know, he didn't really come from a lot. He built his empire, you know, what it's, what it's grown to. So Tim's another one about work ethic and never give up. And uh, Tim's a real family man and he's, he's real good about all that. He's a, he's a good guy. And he's taught me to not only be proud of what you've done and work hard, but always appreciate your family and where you came from. Right on. Well, we're at the very end of the episode, and it's time for you to say thanks to anybody you'd like to. So here's your opportunity. Um, first of all, I'd like to thank both of my parents, my mom and my dad. Without them, I I wouldn't have anything that I've been fortunate enough to have. I mean, my mom works two jobs and makes dinner every night. My My mom is really... No one really sees what my mom does because it's all behind the scenes, but my mom works her tail off and she she does a lot for our family. And my dad taught me how to race a motorcycle and, you know, has been behind my behind me my whole career and helped me with everything I've wanted, ch- chase whatever my dreams are and, you know, spent money. And, you know, sometimes he spent so much money where we're kind of in a hole and he don't care. He's just glad we're going racing and having fun. So definitely my parents, I'd like to thank my sister. You know, I've dragged her along to a lot of the races and she does, she's had to sit around, you know, you've seen it. She's act like she's enjoyed sometimes and she's finally get to do her own thing. But, um, you know, my family, obviously first, I'd like to give a big thanks to Dale quarterly, my road race, my road race guy. He's, uh, he's made me the road racer. I am without him. I wouldn't be anywhere I am. And, uh, I'd like to thank my two team owners, Bob Robbins and Tim Estenson, for giving me opportunities of a lifetime. The two, I'd say the two nicest team owners there are in the paddock for sure. You know, Bob and Tim are both really good guys that are willing to help, willing to help really anybody, you know, if they need it. Um, I'd like to thank all my teammates. I'd I'd like to thank Ryan Wills and JD Beach for helping me out in the off season. Uh, I'd like to thank the Hayden family and Earl Hayden and, Roger and Tommy and even Nikki when he was still here helping us, but the whole Hayden family and Earl, you know, Earl's everybody who knows him, he's been sick and not doing too well, but he'd still always call me and check in and make sure what's going on. And yeah, big thanks to them also. And uh, my grandparents, you know, my whole family, just everybody that's been behind me my whole life, my grandpa, my grandma. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of people, and I could sit here and rattle you off the list, but those are my, my main people. Dude, that's awesome. You know, family is important, and you got a good family behind you, and I cannot wait until you turn 16 and get to race against the big boys at Lima. Thank you so much for your time. I know I heard people hollering at you a little bit ago, so I know we're going to let you go, but uh, <laughs> we appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll see you real soon. Cool. Thanks, Scotty. At the beginning, I think I said he was a kid, but... He sounds like a 30-year-old when he talks to you. Man, he, he's you definitely sh- been raised Are right. you sure he's 15? I, I, well, if he wasn't 15, he'd be already racing the Grand National Circuit, I promise you. That's insane. I I cannot... I, I haven't seen, like, I, I you know, I've only been doing this a couple of years. I haven't, like, followed it closely enough on the amateur level to see somebody come to the next level. But I have seen Dallas, you know, race those Springfield races. So it, this is the first time I've seen, like, you know, a young up-and-comer that's supposed to just, you know, hit the ground running, kick ass, hit the series. So it's cool to kind of see that. You know, I saw a little with, with uh, Trent Lowe earlier this year. Um, but it's cool to see. I, I'm looking forward to Lima. I want to see. I can't wait, look, wait to see how he stacks up against these pros at the national level. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. You know, not everybody can just step into the pro class and start winning. I know Trent's struggling a little bit this year, and uh, he just hasn't came to his own and hasn't got a hold of the pro class yet. But, you know, we'll have to see what Dallas is going to do. That's going to happen here real soon. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, we, we've talked to almost every rider about that transition, and it's not an easy transition to make. So um, it'll be cool to see how he makes this. And, you know, not a lot of amateur riders get the opportunity that he's getting to go to these tracks and hang out with riders and learn, for, you know, have these conversations at the event. So um, it, it's pretty cool that he does have this opportunity. He sounds super humble when you talk to him about it and eager as hell to get out there and show what he's worth. Yeah, and he's got big support 
in road race and flat track behind him. So he's he's going to be somebody you know to win some races. I don't know if he'll win races right away this year, but he's going to win some flat track nationals. I promise you. It'll be interesting to see. I don't know, but uh, I, I definitely am going to be eager to see what he does um, for Estenson Racing and the sport of flat track in general. I don't. I think he'll be around for a while, and, and we'll definitely hear a lot from this kid. So we did mention he's running Tim's number, and that number is number 163. So that was Tim Estenson's novice number. So 163, remember that number. All right, man. Uh, I'm done. Uh, are you I'm done? I'm not done yet. What do you, oh, you, know what? Well, you have a done. flat track fact. Time for the flat track fact. What so you got? To this one. So, so since the bikes were shifting gears at the Red Mile, yeah, we did some research. I talked to Bert Sumner. So Bert Sumner gave me this one. So listen to this. Back in 1960 to 19, 1964, there was a rule stating that once a rider shifts into high gear, he cannot shift again except under a red flag condition or when the race is over. There used to be a rule? It used to be a rule from 1960 to 64. So, um, huh. you know, I was going, I've been going to races my whole life, and I don't remember ever the big premier class shifting gears until like the last few seasons. I actually lost a bet last year at the Red Mile because Mies was shifting gears on that Indian motorcycle, and now it seems like a lot more riders are doing that. I was producing it's that race, through- I think. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's to get through the corners and to come off the corner stronger and then shift gears when you get going to get higher speeds on the straightaways. So it makes sense, but it might just be the transmissions on those Indians where it's easier to shift. Um, but I don't really recall that many premier class twins ever shifting. But that was going to be my, that was going to be my question if it was Indian specific or not, because it's only the Indians that are doing it, right? Or others? It, it seemed like it. I couldn't really hear if Brian Smith was shifting his Kawasaki and there was a couple of Yamahas out there and I couldn't really tell if they were shifting. I was in a bad spot where I couldn't really hear anything. It was so loud. I was up high above the finish line. So it was just the echo in my room was really loud. And and Brad and myself were talking. So I couldn't tell if anybody else was shifting. I know several of the Indians were, though. Badass. Um, shifting. Who's, who likes shifting? I like shifting. Yeah. Let's shift. You want to shift Let's off this thing? Yeah. Let's shift it to next Friday. Let's do it. Every week, hey. you know, even if there's even if there's races rained out, we're still here. Every week. Every Friday. Every Friday. Maybe, well, it's been a Saturday and a Sunday at some point. But, you know, every week we're, we're delivering content. But- just depends on if you got too much work to edit everything but, uh, you know i'm i'm here every friday that's fair um <laughs> let's get out of here hey, carter, let's, let's carter. Do, say your thing smash that like button yeah tell all your friends about our podcast yes and send us some feedback we read everything we try to respond to everything we got a lot of people hitting us up on facebook and we appreciate all the listeners and uh and everybody keep her on two wheels carter you keep it on four and we'll talk to you next week all right man take it easy um enjoy your uh, lima trip and uh we'll talk to you next week man sounds good see ya peace